Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Yui Kugimiya is an artist born in Tokyo and lives in Brooklyn, New York. She received her BFA from the Massachusetts College of Art, her MFA from Yale University, and she attended Skowhegan in 2010. Recent solo exhibitions include shows at Tamor Grain in New York, Gallery Enrique Guerrero in Mexico City, Marlboro Broom Street, and Kunsthal Stavanger in Norway. She's also had recent group exhibitions at Kansas, Bermuda Gallery, White Columns, David Castillo, Gasser and Gruner, and the Journal Gallery, just to name a few. Her work is in the collection of the Everson Museum of Art in Syracuse and the Museum of Modern Art in New York. I met up with Yui at her current show at Tamor Grant Gallery in Tribeca, and we spoke about her youth in Tokyo, her transition to the Northeast, her dabbling as a punk rock drummer, and the moves she makes in her animations and paintings. Here's our conversation. that looked very different oh yeah yeah this is completely new mm-hmm. um something that i've been working towards for like you know like more than a couple of years like trying to bring to this direction but um did you show it ever or was it was it just kind of um, under wraps and then you show showed a group of it i thought i saw images from a show was it in mexico yeah maybe? so that's last year last summer i did like a similar like group of work like this yeah and then this is like uh the first show in new york I see. yeah so this is the debut of this work here yeah yeah it got abstraction nice mm-hmm. so um how did it get to that point well i guess let's start with okay with you <laughs> and where you grew up um born and raised in tokyo in yeah like tokyo proper or suburbs or slightly suburb you know like um but still, like in in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, I wanna say like. What's the area called? Chofu. Okay. You know, um, it's like twenty like minutes, fifteen twenty minutes uh, outside of like Shinjuku, like oh, you know, yeah. uh, just by train. Oh yeah, I think I made a comment. <laughs> oh wait, no, that was Shinagawa. Never mind. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just happened to be there. Yeah. That day. Yeah, so I, I grew up there until like I finished high school mm-hmm. and then moved here for college. Did you, in high school, did you have an art education? Like, were you into art? Well, I was, but I went to like a regular high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like taking art courses is kind of like outside of regular high school. Right. Um, I've always worked independently, but like um, kind of later towards in high school, like it was very clear that I wanted to continue uh, go to art art college mm-hmm. you know like uh, so I started taking extra courses like drawing painting um, yeah what did much. your parents do were they creative yeah um, my dad is like a um, engineer also like working in I think most of like uh, in the field of architecture mm-hmm. um, industrial design a little bit mm-hmm. like he designed like uh, roofings and like windows sometimes like a mailbox that kind of stuff and my dad I mean my mom is a, a trained textile artist oh, wow. but but she never kind of made it professional mm-hmm. you know but she, did she do it at home like on the- yeah 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 I when I was little I grew up seeing her like create uh, textile like That's a cool. traditional like you know Japanese like fabric dye yeah yeah with like sometimes with stencils like she, she uses some kind of glue to like uh, block up some of the areas mm-hmm. like making patterns like things like that so she she I think so she would like you know make fabric and then make you know crafts out of it mm-hmm. like clothing or 
like a little bag or kuroshiki sometimes yeah, yeah. anything yeah. <laughs> anything that could be like i i yeah and she there are some sometimes like over the summer she had uh classes so she invited you know like neighbor neighbors at to the teach. house yeah at the house oh, that's cool neighbors to you know like teach them how to do that mm-hmm. craft so you were surrounded by creative activity in that sense right yeah completely and yeah. a real process like a real kind mm-hmm. of pretty, witness to a, a pretty yeah. intense process pretty natural for me to work uh you know creatively and all especially like visually you mm-hmm. know, from my mom mostly so as you were getting ready to graduate high school you thought i want to i want to make art or i want to study art so I need to get out of here? Was it or it's what? more like you know I know that I'm well you know I know that I'm an artist and I'm only gonna be like making art and then I'm was pretty much you know sure with the medium like I'm gonna be painting mm-hmm. so you know if you know then just kind of automatically thinking going to uh, school to studies like uh, you know sense making yeah were your parents cool with that I mean they knew they They, knew you were gonna be an artist or that was something you'd wanna pursue yeah I mean without even like talking about it we all knew Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it's a secret (laughs) (laughs) so so did you just apply to to schools over here or there too or how did that work well well like it's not like it's more like a it was also encouraged by my parents too mm-hmm. you know like you're gonna be well you are and then you're gonna be an, an artist as an adult so they always helped me figure out what's best for me including like where to study art mm-hmm. and um my mom knew someone uh who knew someone who's teaching at an art school in uh, in the states mm-hmm. so you know my parents came up with this idea of uh, maybe you know studying abroad is an option too so I was like okay like um, that that's fine and uh, yeah we went from there yeah uh, by maybe like uh, six 17 years old or something I was pretty committed to the idea of like coming here Mm -hmm. so I stopped uh, focusing on like um, art classes but switched to studying English oh okay so you had a foundation in English I mean but you studied you probably studied writing and reading English anyway right in school yeah yeah in school like in Japan it's required yeah but speaking is a different yeah, I, I studied, you know, like all throughout the school, like a junior high and high school, mm-hmm. and then really concentrated on like English for like solid one year because yeah. I had to pass the test to right. come to the college here. But I didn't like actually speak until I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> nothing helps you speak a language by like immersion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. So where, where did you apply to school? Um, I applied to most schools in Boston uh-huh. and then I think that's all actually and then it's because that was the school that I had that you know small connection like mm-hmm. personal like a connection through yeah. my mom so my mom's friend's friend taught right. there mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why so that's how you ended up yeah there. because like back then there was internet but like not much of like a website or anything like a web information was yeah. so underdeveloped so i'm like looking for schools to apply like out of this phone book like a really thick you know like physical book that we have in in, in uh, like a you know like a school yeah like uh yeah i remember looking at those too for colleges you know uh-huh. it's kind of like there was like a book of like the colleges you can go to, state uh-huh. schools and then private schools yeah, and yeah. tuition and all that. Yeah. It wasn't like you could just go on the website and get video tours of the campuses exactly. and all that stuff. You'd have to go visit. It's, yeah, it it's different. the college phone book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in the Boston area. So, yeah. So you moved after you got... Was there time in between when you graduated high school and when you came to... There was like about half a year mm-hmm. that I 
because I didn't pass the English exam yet, I continued studying English for like about half a year, mm-hmm. and then finally got the score, and then was admitted, and then moved. Yeah, so I actually started the college semester in January, not mm-hmm. spring semester. I was a little behind. And when you came over, did you have friend? No friends. All it was an all new experience. Yeah, and it was, was your first time coming yeah. over. Is well, it overwhelming? I've, I've visited once before that, like, mm-hmm. you know, as a tourist, a um, few years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, to Boston or just? To Boston. Yeah. And it was also to, like, check things out with the idea in mind that I might be, be like, moving here. Yeah. So, but, you know, I was just, like, a throne in a dorm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with people you don't know. With and... people that I have no idea about, you know. Everyone's, like, a freshman in, like, yeah. art school. It's like a zoo, basically. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt isolated when I first went to college, and that was in my state. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine going overseas and jumping in. Yeah, point. but when it's like that different, the you know the culture shock is like it's a shock. Yeah. So like I you know I feel like I was probably numbed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of, you know, just kind of going day by day, observing everything I see and hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the environment, the school is very small, and then in like a small town mm-hmm. so the environment was pretty intimate so I think that really helped um, slower speed right. compared to like the speed uh, back in Tokyo yeah 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 because I guess you're you'd have been used to some pretty um, high pace dense mm-hmm. situations so and then yeah by by like the time I finished high school I was really like bothered by that mm-hmm. I, growing up in Tokyo was not easy for me yeah um, so that was like a good, like, uh, shift. Nice to get away. Yeah. Yeah. So how was art school? Did you have some pretty good teachers that informed you? Like, how was that process of adapting to that? And what was your work like then? Or what were you, I mean, were you just taking intro classes and stuff like that? Um, you know, just started with like foundation, just like everyone else in art school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for me it was interesting because as also at the same time i'm learning studying art and you know taking a little bit of art history courses and all of that i didn't really you know understand the language yet mm-hmm. so just kind of like <laughs> just there kind just of kind of there you know like figuring out just by looking around what everyone else is doing yeah. And uh, it actually helped mm-hmm. that way because I had really had to um, put extra effort and you know from my end than like just being taught and then taking in what's being offered. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to make my own effort to understand. Or you know, for example, every day by the end of every class, so we're giving homeworks. But like I always have to follow up with friends, you know, afterwards. So what what is the homework exactly? Because I don't know what the teacher is saying. Yeah. So like my friends would just tell me whatever is going on, and then I would kind of still use my imagination to understand. Oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And then usually my imagination expands into like get like extended into mm-hmm. another level. So I do like extra well. You oh, yeah. I mean? You work really hard yeah. to compensate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one thing that's funny is like when I'm in an environment where I don't understand the language fully, I think one mm-hmm. thing that's really nice is it's so easy to tune things out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. if I'm like here and I'm in a movie theater or if I'm walking around, mm-hmm. I hear every conversation and I can't not hear it. Yeah, you know right. What I mean? Yeah. But like if I'm in Japan, it's a lot easier for me to just kind of not yeah. pay attention to things, whereas yeah. other people might be keyed into that. And I right. feel like sometimes it enables you to create your own world or like you can get kind of really deep into your own thing because you're not Completely, distracted. Yeah. Also like you're just really tuned, you know, with uh, your visual, yeah. you know, you engage with what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's your communication. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. So actually because of that too, a little bit, I 
already started making um, animation like mm-hmm. this. You know, I've like made short stop motion animation almost like over like the past uh, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. But it started in an undergrad, and it was like um, a little bit of um, a method to teach myself. You know, and because I verbally I was not so strong in English, I also was realized now that making the work self-explanatory. What do you was like self-explanatory? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So what you're seeing is what it is, kind right. of yeah, kind of completely contained, completed that way. Um, yeah, so that was already my work. I yeah, started making animations. And then what was the imagery that you were influenced by? Or was it coming to terms with like a new kind of environment? Or was it mostly things from growing up? Or what was your sensibility and your imagery kind of born mm-hmm. out of? Um, yeah, mostly, you know, from memories or like imagination. So naturally, I think coming from the past, you know, what I've mm-hmm. experienced, what I've seen. Um, in the animation, I've always had a cat character. Um, maybe that's a little bit cultural too. But all of that, I never um, specified or like, a, you know, like a, without a reason, specific reasons. You know, I just kind of let it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what were you into when you were growing up? Like, what were the visual things you were into? Other than seeing, like, what your mm-hmm. mom's doing or, like, your day-to-day, were mm-hmm. you, I mean, were there books? Were there, was there artwork that you were looking at? or? Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of fiction novels mm-hmm. and uh, really into stories, fantasies. Um, but, like, as a teenager, there's, like, um, you know, cable TV. It was, like, American MTV. So mm-hmm. just, like, watch music videos. When they played music videos? <laughs> yeah, before yeah. Before it became all, like, you know, real world and stuff like that. When what? They, before it became, like, shows like The Real World, when they actually used to show, like, music videos, which they don't really do anymore. And yeah. It, it, music videos, you know, was on. Yeah. And that that was art Definitely. To me. Yeah. So I what think, was it? Was there any specific ones that you were really um, that you remember? Like a really disgusting. Remember that like disgusting worms like in Green Day or something. Oh, I that know. What kind you're of about. graphic. Yeah. Or like a Bjork. Yeah. Um, like things. That, a little bit of like stop motion mm-hmm. things. Like I kind of remember that. Yeah. Um, but then also, so that that's like a little bit of like story and like visual and videos yeah. like, like I was like oh cool like you can make stuff like this and there's like a real like feelings there's music and all of that like sound quality mm-hmm. um, you know just kind of watching TV basically but at the same time I was introduced to um, kind of art films like uh, through one of the high school teachers, like mm-hmm. uh, outside of our classes, he he was like a sociology teacher. But outside of what he was teaching, just on personal level, I think he was really into art and indie films. So he would just go to like a nerdy film festivals, mm-hmm. right? And somehow, like at the end of a semester, he ended up uh, decided to share that with us. So we had a little screening, and then I was introduced to. Yuri Norstein is a Russian animation artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he uses like a cutout papers and sometimes combined with the real footage and stuff and then really touching um, a lot of times with animal characters and just really beautiful like uh, images. Mm-hmm. I think that can only be accomplished through the, the very specific process that he go through, many layers, sort of like glasses that you know he places the paper cut out papers and then you know just moving around like using the real light but then there's a uh the whole thing is projected in animation so and when you watch something like that and 
experiencing the watching mm-hmm. like is like really intense yeah you know it's and, part of the piece in a way mm-hmm. like that yeah so there are moments like that early on as a teenager um kind of a discovery and i mean today like uh, because of the internet you can find anything online it's amazing right you can yeah. find any yeah if you know what you're looking for you can find it but then also by accident you can find things mm-hmm. too because there's a lot of there are hashtags and like things that are like grouped already you online. might like that even on youtube if you look up a video mm-hmm. of this person and mm-hmm. then there's like eight things that you exactly. might like that are yeah exactly so but back then there wasn't anything like that but i was lucky enough to um have access you know small but yeah. access to things that otherwise have uh probably haven't discovered and then i think they influenced my work in uh, undergrad mm-hmm. yeah and they, so you started doing the anime the stop motion back then mm-hmm. yeah and were they drawing based uh this is uh oil painting oil painting yeah i started in a, i was like a sophomore or something and then this is like back in 2002 and digital video and editing was still new mm-hmm. I and remember cumbersome right it's tricky back then oh yeah like I I think some of the first animations I was like printing on VHS mm-hmm. like something like that so over the past you know like 10 over 10 years now like as I continue to do the same like analog stop motion animation process like creating but then the final product and you know how it's treated just amazing how how you know develop the technology you know with digital media is and also our perception too towards what we are looking at and making yeah the editing process has become a lot easier yeah, also like now, like you can see this, my you know, original piece of art, which is the video on your palm, on your iPhone. Yeah. This is like totally like unimaginable level back then when I started making this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's funny how quickly that's changed too. Cause I remember like I was asked by Nokia to do little animations for their phones, but they mm-hmm. were the old phones that had the small screen with the <laughs> keypad on it, you yeah. know? And like you could download these mini animations, but uh-huh. I remember editing it for it. It had to be like such a small file and such uh-huh. low resolution because mm-hmm. the, the capability wasn't there yet, you know. And you mm-hmm. would have to dial a number to download the animation to your phone. Oh my god! And you know, a few years later, and it's YouTube on your phone. You mm-hmm. know? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's changed pretty quickly. Yeah, very fast. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I think this is like a. Uh, a very current and contemporary thing but it's changing painting a lot too it is i don't i don't i don't necessarily mean like painting as object is changing but the way we uh associate with painting of course yeah i'm interested in that i use i i was just i gave a talk yesterday i was just talking about this subject like I use in my work, animation for me is the place where I experiment. Mm -hmm. And then that experimentation gives me license to bring that back into the painting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So without doing animation, I don't think my paintings would make the changes Mm -hmm. that that I do in it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and the ability to make things and the Mm -hmm. facility that you can get with it now with Mm -hmm. the technology is Mm -hmm. so much easier and quicker Mm -hmm. so i think it feeds in maybe and also with technology now you can have you know animations on these flat screens that look like painting like they're Mm -hmm. there's no structure to the it's almost like Mm -hmm. a hanging just like a painting is hanging Mm -hmm. so i think the the difference between the two mediums is like closed very quickly Mm -hmm. you know yeah the i'm like um how do you say this? So I I agree. And I thought I, when I was making animation, I was making different work that is different from painting. But that because that difference is closed, mm-hmm. um, it's I feel like my own mind and body to be almost in reverse order um, when I experience 
looking at paintings now, like I feel digitalized.、Mm-hmm. You know, paintings have like human quality or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, oh, this very still object.、Um, this is like a very recent feeling.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the change is rapid. I feel like.、Mm-hmm. Well, so, you, so you went to undergraduate school. You graduated. Getting back to that, you graduated undergrad. Yes, and then I actually、uh, went to two different undergraduate. I transferred to a different school,、mm-hmm. uh, but then also in in、uh, Massachusetts in Boston.、Uh, so two years, uh, um, in a slightly outside of Boston, and two years in Boston had kind of relocated and then graduated. Yeah. And then did you go to grad school right after that? Yeah, right after, pretty much. Direct line down to New Haven. Yeah. <laughs> you're inching your way towards New York, <laughs> like you were slowly getting closer to New slowly, York. Slowly, slowly, very slowly. Yeah, I kind of wish I had that time between、mm-hmm. uh, undergraduate and graduate, but you know because I, I'm like, international student and didn't want to. Oh, you had pressure to, to keep yeah, your visa. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure without you know. Continue being a student. How to continue living in the states, and I didn't feel like going back to Japan to try new things.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like I was not, I I didn't want to stop painting. I didn't I wanted to stay in the studio, so I just went straight to grad school. Nice.、Yeah. So you had two years at Yale. How was that experience for you? Um, really good. It's more intense. It I'm sure it's. More intense than the undergraduate experience, right? Absolutely intense、yeah. in in like a very concentrated way, and also a concentrated community. Yeah, and it was a great place to be introduced to different perspectives. Also, so that's Yale Art School, and then what's great also was the access to Yale University,、mm-hmm. different classes, museums, the libraries.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, tons of great、um, resources. Um, I took some classes in because I was interested in still am Japanese、mm-hmm. culture, yeah, like academically. I took some not 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 <laughs> not regular culture, just ac- academic culture. Well, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, like I I know what it is, right, right, Japanese, but right. like to kind of S- the study study、oh. like what it is objectively. Yes,、I'm、interested. So I took some classes.、Uh, Uh, in Japanese culture,、mm-hmm. and I studied with a film professor. So I through、um, film studies, like I kind of learned Japanese culture. That was really interesting, and I met interesting people there too. That's great. Yeah. And so you went to Skowhegan after that, right? Yes, but that's、uh, that was later. Yeah, it's later. I moved. Then you moved I, to New York. Right after grad school, I moved to New York, and then spent a few years just kind of living and working, and then I went to Skowhegan. Yeah. And who was there when you were there? Did was there anyone there that you connected with or had a a good experience with? I found it to be、uh, one of my favorite art experiences、yeah, I've ever done. For me too. It was really productive、mm-hmm. and. Especially、uh, coming from New York, I was really kind of exhausted. Yeah.、Um, and you <laughs> and know, it's out there, so you get the nice. Yeah. You can breathe in air and. Yeah, I really yeah. needed, like,、uh, time to work.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was great. Good group of people.、Um, the teachers were,、mm. yeah. Or anyone, I mean, like John Waters came when I was there, and that was、mm-hmm. really interesting. Like people,、mm-hmm. <laughs> they bring in some interesting, some yeah, really great people. Well,、uh, Carrie Moyer,、mm-hmm. um, she taught me at Yale too.、Um, she was the、uh, what do you call that at school? A resident faculty.、Yeah. You don't really call them like a t- teacher,、right. resident. Um, yeah, they say like we're not teachers here. <laughs> yeah, we're like yeah, fellow yeah. artists. I mean, you're not students; you're participants. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is very nice, especially、it's, after coming out from somewhere like Yale, where it's like、right. we're the professors、yeah. who are learning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Carrie was there, and uh, uh, Dana Schutz, who I also 
you know, started with like a few times before mm-hmm. Skowhegan. It was nice to see her there again. Uh, Martin Crossells and uh, Paul Pfeiffer. You know, like people who are working with different uh, medium. Yeah. Like really great. And then I ha- still have like a lot of uh, individual studio visits, great conversations. Um, painters, I think. I don't know if she's still at, at Yale, but Anoka Franke was Oh, it, yeah, you she's know, still there. Yeah. yeah. So after Skowhegan, she ended up going to Yale to teach, and mm-hmm. Martin too. Yeah. So this, this group. And then, yeah. So you come down here mm-hmm. after that. You have a studio already? Were you living in Brooklyn or in the city or...? Yeah, in Brooklyn. I've always been in Brooklyn. And do you, yeah. Did you have a separate space for your studio right away, or did it take you time to do that? Um, I've just always have like a, a good size studio space to myself and just live there mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I'm. I'm not especially for studio. I'm not good at sharing. I get easily mm-hmm. distracted with noise or like you know anything you know like oh, that a, leads to my next question well I was going to ask you mm-hmm. about music and uh-huh. if you I mean do you listen to music in the studio or what do you like what kind of music did you listen to growing up yeah growing up uh, listening to music I mean it was just um, there was a phase like uh, in high school I was really into punk mm-hmm. I, I was even like in a band playing the drums nice. like just like you know, it's me and two other girls like I wanted to like be loud. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Sure. I mean, I wasn't even good at it, but like mm-hmm. you know, just just like making noise. Yeah, I was like doing stuff like that. That's like early on. Were you listening to? Because there's a lot of you know, nouveau J punk stuff. Were you listening to, like roots punk or? I forget, you know, whatever. At the time, this is like late 90s. I think it was kind of a trend. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of like, you know, uh, a lot of young bands that just play locally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at like small venues. Right. So, but we just did, did like covers. <laughs> <laughs> You're a punk cover band? No, we were not serious. We just wanted to be loud, you know. But you played gigs? Did you play out? In, or were you just in, playing for you? We we played in, uh, you know, like studios. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, you know, where where you can practice. Yeah, like rental spaces. Yeah. Well, did you grow up playing drums at all? Or was it just something you were like, I'm going to be punk, I'm going to just bang on these things? Yeah, it was It was just like a very like brief moment. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, you know. I'm a drummer. I, I'm just going to like beat this stuff for, <laughs> for like a few months. That's pretty punk. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did that for a little while. Like mm-hmm. literally just like less than a year or something. And just I was like done with it. Yeah. <laughs> Over that day. <laughs> yep. Did it. <laughs> so that was your music career? Yes. Your professional music career? <laughs> yeah. Was over. In my mind, quite professional. So what was the listening phase after punk? Where did you go from punk? Well, then I came here in the States. So mm-hmm. I shared... Boston's got a good music scene. Did you go see live music at the Middle East and stuff? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, you know... In college, it was the music was more of like what my friends listened to. Mm-hmm. I I think I was just constantly discovering. I just went with like, you know, friends, and yeah. I wasn't the one to find the shows to go to. I was always like the you were one hanging to, out. Yeah, hanging yeah. out. So. Yeah. So I don't remember. Yeah, I well, what do you listen to now? Are you still a fan of? A big fan of music or do you listen in the studio or do you like quiet well now well, I listen to music all the time like constantly but throughout the day I listen to different genres like in the morning kind of uh, kind of classical mm-hmm. and then like late morning is like uh, um, dance music like club music and then Later, oh, when I exercise, totally hip hop. Mm-hmm. 
And then what's what the nighttime playlist? Nighttime, well, still club music. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. I think I'm. I have a pretty good sketch of your day now. <laughs> At first, I thought you were gonna say I, I listen to different genres. In the morning, it's punk. Then it's hardcore. <laughs> then it's death metal. Then it's <laughs> speed metal, which would have been hilarious. But yeah, that seems like a reasonable. Arc、mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah, it, but I actually actually play jazz in the morning. Well, there's nothing. You didn't have to say that. Judge it. That was a little judgy. <laughs> I do too. It's a perfectly good morning music. It gets you going. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do you ever listen to、uh, WKCR, the Columbia station? They play Charlie Parker every morning.、Mm-mm. Every I, morning. Every morning. It's called、wow. Bird Flight with Phil Shap. He does eight、mm-hmm. twenty、uh, to nine thirty Charlie Parker every day. Well. Every weekday,、mm-hmm. and he's done it for decades.、Mm-hmm. I should check out like radio stations because、uh, I I'm just like, a, you know, almost obsessed with Spotify. Yeah,、now. you know, it is kind of a radio. St- I mean, they have radio playlists on there pretty much,、mm-hmm. but it is different than a radio station. Radio. Station. Yeah, radio station、uh, where there's a DJ. Yeah, I feel like. That might be refreshing, and、yeah. also like another way to you know find new music. I'm I'm terrible with kind of following up with my own list,、mm-hmm. like because it's automatically played one after another.、Right. Like I don't even sometimes have a chance to find out the name of the band or the you know、right. musician and then that name of the album, anything like that. Cause like the idea of albums, I feel like don't even exist today. Yeah. Like it's it's like um. Just everything a is yeah like a kind of this scattered、mm-hmm. cluster.、Um, there's only like a kind of vague grouping of threads、yeah. of like certain.、Types. Morning workout. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Piano chill out. Right. Like.、Uh, yeah. One there's one Spotify one that cracks me up. It's like bleeps and bloops, <laughs> which is like electronic music. I guess it's supposed to be like that kind of electronic music, but but yeah, yeah it's yeah, all algor- kind, it's、yeah. algorithms. It's、mm-hmm. not no one's making this play. It's just、mm-hmm. an algorithm,、mm-hmm. you know. But a DJ is actually selecting,、mm-hmm. like it's a curated taste. Yeah, like there's like actual a person, like a real person, like selecting this, you know. Group of music and then playing in this order,、mm-hmm. like things like that. Because I'm not.、Uh, I wish I was a DJ or I could, you know, have that、uh, ability to do that for myself. But I'm not. Well, another nice、DJ. thing about DJs too is that there's a human element. There's a、mm-hmm. conversation in a way.、Mm-hmm. It's like they're talking to you.、Mm-hmm. Whereas Spotify, there's no voice unless no. it's, you know. After five songs, if you don't pay for it, it's like、uh, it's staples. You can get fifty percent <laughs> off, and then you're like, "What the hell?" And then it goes back to your music. Yeah. But a DJ is actual. You know, there's a conversation going on. Yeah. I mean,、totally. I used to be a jazz DJ in college,、mm-hmm. and、um, it it's funny. I didn't like it then, but I I kind of love the story now. The people would call it. This same person would call in towards、mm-hmm. the end of my show, every show, and say,、mm-hmm. "Play Sun Ra," over and over. <laughs> like he wanted me to play Sun Ra. And he was making like veiled threats of like I'll shut down the radio station if you don't play Sun Ra, and this would happen all the time. I know. And at that point, I wasn't really into Sun Ra. That took、mm-hmm. me a little time to get into it. But、um, but it turns out it was the the jazz DJ was on after me. Oh. <laughs> and I think he、wow. wanted to transition into his show. Uh huh. But. It was entertaining. It was like I'm playing music. Someone's、mm-hmm. out there reacting to it, and there's kind、mm-hmm. of a conversation going、mm-hmm. on, which is a rarity these days. And I think, yeah, I think that's why I like talking to people about their work is because I can sit down in front of someone, look、yeah. at the work, and talk and look at them. Yeah, and it's not like some recorded clip on yeah, you know, YouTube or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why do we do what we do? You know, there's always reason, and then I think it always involves some kind of relationship or or human qualities and communication. Yeah, you know, that's But, not buffered all the time. It doesn't always have to、uh-huh. be mediated. Uh huh. Right. But that is kind of a、uh, uh, concealed or like a、uh, uh, invisible unless you look for that. Right. I think quality these days. That's a good point. Yeah. So what? what <laughs> it's kind of、tr- yeah, kind of got checked out a little bit. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
Well, let's talk for a few about the show too upstairs. Sure, That's, yeah. Um, that, like I said, I was saying before that I was struck by these new images, mm -hmm. these new paintings, because mm -hmm. like I kind of knew the older work, which seemed real gritty and mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know, they almost abject. They were just like mm -hmm. real rough. Mm -hmm. And then this work is very, mm -hmm. it feels very different. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's now I can see the similarity in a way, mm -hmm. maybe conceptually, but it, it, the look of it is totally different. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful installation of that one long wall. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to talk about this work and how this came mm -hmm. out of the older work. Mm -hmm. um, the drastic change in the look of it, I think that that kind of contrast or the shift I think I'm interested in that itself mm -hmm. like how how different things look but then how uh, similar conceptually or structurally can be um, because even though like paintings or any uh, visual art is it is to be seen and it is to look at um, but what you're seeing is not everything, right? Yeah. So there's like uh, that's the kind of human quality that you know we've we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Um. Maybe. So that's that. I I have something like that in my mind mm -hmm. when I talk about you know older work versus newer work and how and why different they are, um, and also, you know. Like I said, I very much respond to like my own day-to-day uh, -day feeling, perceptions, or um, life and current events and all of this together. Right now, um, this is what I do, and then it feels right to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and the new work has kind of obviously a relationship to formal abstraction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, painters mm -hmm. from a certain time period, mm -hmm. you know, and is that something that you're um, manipulating or is that something that you're working against? I mean, as far as the content of the painting and what people are going to see to it, like basically when, when you make that work mm -hmm. and people are coming to that work, mm -hmm. what are you trying to sort of inject into their mind? Or what is mm -hmm. that conversation you're trying to have mm -hmm. in relation to, because I have a, a very specific connection mm -hmm. to some of the art that you're that 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 kind of iconography is in dialogue with mm -hmm. you know yeah i think it's uh the word might be like minimalist you know minimalist aesthetic maybe or post minimalism there's all of this uh words and mm -hmm. categories in history that this group of work might be uh, compared with. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that relationship, mm -hmm. but that being said, what is there beyond it? You know, for uh, given the fact this work is being made made today, and then when when you look at the work, what else is there? Mm -hmm. Kind of, and um, this group of working involves a lot of uh, drawing. Mm -hmm. um, I start with drawings. So the, there's like four shapes and forms, but really kind of, you can see the hand mm -hmm. in the drawing and then also paint application. I think these qualities that uh, I hope people to see uh, can see in person you know, mm -hmm. uh, specifically in personal experience of viewing the work, may be able to um, not change, but open up another way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like one thing that I brought to this work and looking at it was there's a kind of a playful, whimsical quality to it. Mm -hmm. and there's almost like character qualities to mm -hmm. the forms that you're painting. Mm -hmm. Yet a lot of the painting that I think of like visually and connected to this, whether it's like, you know, like Colorfield, mm -hmm. sort of Frankenthaler and, you mm -hmm. know, like 
Morris Lewis, like those kind of color and shape and form and the, mm-hmm. sort of the space that's happening in those paintings. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a lot of interesting space happening mm-hmm. in these paintings. And those are like formal things, but then there's also playfulness. So it's almost mm-hmm. like characters mm-hmm. in a way. So it's it's anthropomorphizing. It's kind of like making these little forms come to life in a way. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're in a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Is that a, something that you were interested in? Yeah, totally. Um, even even when it's just a square mm-hmm. that is like, a, a, you know, painted with solid color. Um, it, it can be unique yeah because of the shape or the color mm-hmm. or both of them together and then n- n- next to each other slightly different qualities can form a relationship mm-hmm. so it's very really simple and basic but uh, kind of deeply paying attention to those elements paintings yeah I kind but of, mm-hmm. these are beautiful though the older works were more gritty mm-hmm. they weren't worried I feel like they don't weren't worried about looking mm-hmm. like their presentation it was mm-hmm. more like this happened and you're seeing it mm-hmm. whereas these are whimsical playful and they're also very pretty mm-hmm. is that um, something that you're trying to inject mm-hmm. into the work yeah. um, there's maybe. a different aesthetic that's for sure they, right yeah I think both of them, though, um, I want the work always to be experiential. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the video, you're experiencing, or you can uh, see the experience of making. Yeah, it's like it's happening to it's you. It's happening yeah. to you. But uh, whereas this one that happens in your head mm-hmm. um, while you're looking at it. Yet you hung it in a sequential kind mm-hmm. of way that mimics kind of mm-hmm. like cell animation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a rhythm to it too. Yeah. So I don't know if you were purposeful about that, but, but when you hang it in that way and you have mm-hmm. those forms that are changing, it almost mm-hmm. looks like a time lapse or like it almost looks like it could be animation mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. It's like these forms are morphing and changing and talking mm-hmm. to each other. And then the squares show up and they're forming their mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Yeah. That kind of uh, uh, um, like sequential move motions and uh, uh, movement, it just comes out in my work. Mm-hmm. I'm quite natural with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you... Um, do you paint each painting separately or do you work on more than one at the same time? More than one at the same time. And then really, I, it's kind of, I, in, to a, in, in a way, I depend on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think a single painting, uh, they're independent in individual pieces, but uh, I constantly think about the environment around it. Mm-hmm. So, uh with other pieces in mind always yeah yeah um there's a lot of japanese artists working here who make work that's Mm -hmm. related to being you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it has a visual look Mm -hmm. of like the japanese Japanese, culture japanese culture yeah i think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. like that you're you know that i don't see that or it's not Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't yeah, have to yeah. jump out and be like, oh, it's about that. Yeah. So what's your feelings on that about certain artists? I mean, if it, like, if you look at the largest mm-hmm. examples, like Mr. Ayata mm-hmm. Kano or, like, you know, right. Takashi Murakami, like, mm-hmm. people like that, where it's really heavy, hand, like, it's it's about, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Japanese iconography. Mm-hmm. Do you think about your work in that sense? Or, like, how, how do you feel about the way your work is in that dialogue? Yeah, I think, you know, cultural identity or the sense, Mm -hmm. I think it just comes out naturally. And I don't need to, like, uh, uh, I feel like it's unnecessary to uh, restate it in the work in in a way that, uh, I don't know, translated in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. 
also like this group of artists that you just mentioned is like a slightly like a generation before me yeah yeah um i think that's probably the first group of people uh not not the first but um group of japanese artists who turn their um art into movement Mm -hmm. and uh introduced to the here in the states yeah um so it's to me it it just looks a little bit of like a a exported you know like japanese product japanese culture yeah i don't i don't i'm just here yeah i know i felt like a a lot of maybe takashi murakami got so huge that Mm -hmm. a lot of galleries here said oh i want an artist Mm -hmm. whose work looks like that because that's doing really well and Mm -hmm. i can sell that kind of work but Mm -hmm. You know, knowing artists in Japan, there's so much work out there. But mm-hmm. then what you're seeing here, a lot of what you were seeing here at that mm-hmm. time is this is very specific, like manga, you know, like anime-based mm-hmm. stuff. But there's yeah. like a whole group of other artists making mm-hmm. amazing work. Like, do you know Seiko Takagi? Do you know her Mm-mm. paintings? Mm-hmm. She used to show at ATM Gallery, but made these wonderful, like, beautiful, I don't know, paintings that were really amazing and Mm -hmm. you know i haven't seen her work here in a while but Mm -hmm. um anyways i just think it's really i i'm really interested in the fact that your work is is not hollering that out like it's very yeah also like that almost demand or expectation is like you know like right in my face sometimes Mm -hmm. you know do your japanese thing kind of thing which is not you know just i don't completely almost annoyed by it and i avoid that uh uh you know attention right um because i think such movement you know is like a cultural uh trend i think mm-hmm. um it's a little bit limiting and also like educating people to uh stereotype certain exactly culture yeah. and it's it's not you know it's there's like a, it's really limited that's yeah. all I think I in know. your word like the exporting <laughs> yeah. of that is really spot mm-hmm. on because it yeah. feels like they're just export yeah. things made for mm-hmm. you know it's, so the, I, I feel that the work is made f- for like a western audience right. or something mm-hmm. and uh, I don't need to perform that no you're making yeah. work that's about making work exactly. and that's it yeah have you had a chance to show in Japan though, and is, is that something you want to do? Absolutely, um, I did one solo show back in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. at Takaishi Gallery, and uh, I showed both paintings and animation, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the first time exhibiting my work back in Japan, and also with that group of work I was showing too like I really it was uh, a little bit of a wake up call too Mm -hmm. kind of became really aware of the the temperature difference and how the work is you know seen yeah and um, I come to really question like what the fuck am I? <laughs> what <laughs> the hell am I doing here? Yeah. Here meaning like as an artist. Right. You know, doesn't I don't mean like in Japan right here. Yeah, just yeah. in general. Right. Yeah. The fuck am I doing? Existentially. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very painterly question. I was confronted. Yeah. Uh, by my by my own work. And that it's really simple, but such relocation of the same material, my work, you know, like making them exhibiting here was comfortable but suddenly became something else when i was doing that exhibited in japan and you know really thought about context and how that's kind of everything isn't that amazing like yeah. how that shift mm-hmm. i always say you learn so much like people learn so much when they travel mm-hmm. but it's not just learning about other cultures it's really about learning about yourself too mm-hmm. and like who yeah. you are and like what am i you know yeah and it's i mean i, did, I had that a similar experience like driving across the country when mm-hmm. I used to play music and 
you know, going to these different places, like you think you, you're mm-hmm. American and you know what it's like. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up on the East Coast. And then you go out in the middle of the country and it's totally different. It's like a complete different land. Mm-hmm. It feels like five countries away in a mm-hmm. way. So, and you just learn a lot about yourself and where you're from and mm-hmm. your sensibilities. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's really interesting that that kind of yeah. showing back there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, yeah, and then probably a little bit my age too, like still under like 30. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, still learning and growing as a human and having an had a chance to kind of have that kind of confrontation um really helpful to rethink of my you know work as an artist and life in general but your parents got to see it right yes which is was that a good experience for them to be uh yeah because they always knew you were going to be an artist (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, seeing actually seeing how my parents react to my work too is like a good you know thing to observe. Yeah. Um, is it? <laughs> because, because by now, like I've I have I've become I'm the only one who's Americanized in the family. Mm-hmm. You know, I ha- I have sensibilities that they don't have. Um, so that kind of you know, and then also language too. Yeah. I'm, I'm like most comfortable bilingual but I'm pretty much the only one that's fluent in English mm-hmm. um, and you know just in the work sometimes that kind of thing is like manifested more clearly than I think mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting it is yeah yeah well, I think that's why the work is so interesting Mm. And um, and the shifts that you make between, yeah, it it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long is this? This shows up for a little bit longer, right? Yeah, I think we have another week or so. It clo- It ends on the twenty second, mm-hmm. which is next week. Yeah. And the gallery address. Can you talk about the gallery and the address and the information of the gallery? Yes, Tamor Grainy Gallery. It's at one fifty seven Hudson. Mm-hmm. Is it Street? Sure, Hudson yeah. Street. Yep. Yeah, it's in Tribeca. And where can people, if they can't make it to the show, where can they catch your work online? Or and do you have anything else coming up, or any other way people can get to your work? Online, I think. There are some images online. Um, I don't have another show scheduled. Just working for art fairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't post a lot of images of my work online. Mm-hmm. But all my most of my videos are available to watch because uh, you know video is yeah like, on YouTube or uh, Vimeo on Vimeo. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Because like Vime, uh, video is like uh, when you play uh, on computer, it's the original piece that yeah. they can. You you're can seeing see. what you're seeing, yeah. yeah. Well, painting is like it's the experience is not the same. Not so the same. I don't really like to post a lot of images of my painting works, but I totally understand. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the show looks great. And, Thank uh, you. It's been great talking to you. Thanks yeah, so much likewise. for meeting me. Sure. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You can find images of the artist's work, studios, and exhibitions on the podcast website, soundandvisionpodcast.com. The introduction, narration, and music was provided by Michael Lovett of Nazca Lines. All other music was made by Lullatone, based out of Nagoya, Japan. Sound and Vision is produced, edited, recorded, and organized by myself, Brian Alred. You can find more about my work at paintchanger.com. Thanks for listening.